Hello, and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast about a geeky family. This is episode 8, original air date, November 12th, 2015. My name's Megan, I am the youngest of the siblings, as well as your host, and tonight with us is my brother Kier. Hello. My sister Sarah. Hello. And, of course, Robot Dad. Also known as Dabba. Also known as Dabba. Also known as Harry Larry. He is a man of many, many names. Man of a million monikers. Man of a million monikers. Say that three times fast. I dare you. Harry Juan <laughs> Kenobi. <laughs> he really, I can go on. He really does have a lot of names. Um, <laughs> all right, we're just going to launch right into this podcast. If you haven't figured out this podcast yet, well, I don't know if we have either. So we're going to start out with what's caused us to geek out lately. Go into our topic of, week, topic of the week after that, if I can say the words correctly. And then we'll wrap things up with our picks of the week. So let's start off with Kier. What has caused you to geek out lately? Well, I've probably talked most of your, uh, most of your ears off already about this, but I have been messing with something called Habit RPG, which can be found at Habitica.com. And essentially what you do is you put in... Habits that you would like to keep or bad habits that you would like to break and things that you need to do daily and tasks that you need to just, you know, mark off your list. And as you complete these things, you get golden experience points. And if you fail at doing some of these things or if you do some bad habits that you're trying to break yourself of, then you're going to take damage. And uh, the whole thing is based around this little avatar in the top left corner of your screen. And... You have this little store where you can go and buy better equipment and upgrade your avatar, and it is surprisingly effective. Sounds a lot like uh, public school in the 50s, you know. You got a gold star, or you got whapped on the fingers with a ruler. That sounds dramatically less painful. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, I've put in some better you know healthy habits and some getting some chores done around the house things and so on and so forth and i find that uh i'm getting things done and marking things off my list and it's a format that i can relate to and understand and i i just can't get enough of it i think it's the coolest well it's certainly a a neat concept to try to get uh kids involved in forming habits as well because it's got that you know build up your character element and I feel like that's something that they can relate to so much more than gold stars hey I have a question real quick and I'm going to break out of this can y'all hear the coyotes in the background no oh, oh man okay they I are wish. crazy out there so I just wanted to make sure it wasn't picking it up <laughs> oh, it'd be, it would be great to have coyotes on <laughs> We could advertise that. Nobody else has coyotes on their podcast. Uh, they've been crazy the last few few days. So, but yeah, just now they were really loud out there. Throwing so mad coyote sure. parties. <laughs> you up. haven't lived until you've attended a coyote rave. <laughs> I'm in fine form tonight, guys. Enjoy. Yeah. So, any rate, uh, uh, one of the things that you can do on this that I really like is you can actually get your friends to join and you can form up parties and you can go on quests where you fight giant monsters. And the way this works is as long as 
you everyone in the party completes their daily tasks, then the monster takes damage. But if one person in the party doesn't complete all of their daily tasks, then everyone in the party takes damage. Ah, so pressure. Yeah, it keeps you accountable. It's like, if I don't do this, I'm letting my friends down. Hmm. So is this just an app, or what is this? It's a, it's a website slash app okay. that you can get. And the website's actually fairly responsive. It's not perfectly responsive, so it doesn't doesn't work perfectly on your mobile phone. But it works well enough. And I find that I just use the, the website right now. The the app itself is not not super up to date. I think they just released a new one for iOS. Well, I don't I'm, think I don't think uh Habita is that it? Habitica. I don't think it's Habitica. I don't think Habitica is uh, is for me, and uh, neither do I uh, uh, really like uh, Sarah's uh, stuff or Megan's stuff. I forget the names of those. You each use different things like that. But I have come to the conclusion that I need something. I need something, retired or not. I have a lot of weekly deadlines and stuff like that website updates to be made stuff like that so I don't know what I need but I need something maybe a ruler across the hand <laughs> that's how I grew up that's uh, how I, I learned I'm going to put my hand over there <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I searched a long time before I found something that really worked well for me and, and Habit RPG was one of the things that I tried out and it definitely was not for me but um, you know I think that's the, the beauty of things is not not everybody thinks the same way, so not everything is going to work for everybody, but there's something out there for some for everybody. I feel like what works best for me is something new about every three weeks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you just, once a system starts to not work, you just go and find a different system, and you get excited about it, and it works for a few weeks, and then you just move on from there. That's how you do it. I think it's possible yeah. we might be related. <laughs> Very pretty. <laughs> so I started. I started this two weeks ago. So what you're saying is I've got a, I've got at least one week left. Yeah, yeah, or maybe even a week and a half. <laughs> and one thing, I mean, I, I use bullet journaling fairly consistently, but I do change up the way I bullet journal and what I keep in my bullet journal and how I list things, um, and and just even the notebook that I keep it in. Because it keeps it a little bit new. Sometimes I decorate it, sometimes I don't. Just whatever it takes to make it not so mundane. I level up and buy a new helmet. There you go. <laughs> Maybe that's all you need. <laughs> a new helmet. Well, as a programmer, I tend to do everything in text files. Uh, but I don't think it's really... You know, text file to-do lists, all right, they've got nothing. They've got nothing. I mean, it's just, ugh. So, I I have to think about this. Yeah. There's definitely something... Maybe, maybe I'll try Habitica. Maybe. There's definitely <laughs> something to be said about, you know, writing something down and scratching it out or, you know, putting a check mark by it. That's definitely a psychological, hey, I've, I've finished this task kind of thing. Oh, pencil and paper. What a concept. 
<laughs> I tell you, it's the only way. It's the only thing that works for me. Digital just does not. I have tried every app out there, and believe me, I spent a long time searching, and I have to have paper and pencil, or it just doesn't does not work. For me, what I found with uh, the Habit RPG is if I just put in one or two things that I don't do very often, it's not really effective because I just forget to go back and check it. But whenever I have like five or six things that I have to do daily and two or three things that I can do whenever and here's some to-dos to do and things like that, then I'm going in three or four times a day and checking things off and making sure that I'm keeping up to date. And uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's working really well for me so far. And Dad, if, yeah. you, if, if you do decide to try it, let me know, and we should party up and fight a giant monster together. Oh, man, I'd be so scared of not doing something and causing you to have damage. <laughs> be letting you down, man. All right, Sarah, what has caused you to geek out lately? About, I don't know, sometime over the summer, we learned about an RPG called Microscope. We were listening to a podcast, Go Figure, and they were talking about this game and we were like this sounds super cool and super interesting and so I bought the PDF uh, not too long ago it was, it was quite a bit after after we had um, heard about it and Liz Devin and I sat down a couple of weeks ago and played a game you know just like for an hour or two and, and the concept of microscope is that you are building the history of a world and you decide from the beginning kind of the overarching story of this world, how it begins, how it ends. And then as you play, you fill in the history by creating um, different periods and then within those periods, different events. And then the role playing comes in um, within those events, you create scenes and you get to decide who's going to be in the scene. And the way this works is the scene is actually a question that needs to be answered. So, say you're creating a scene in which the king was overthrown, and the question could be, why was the king overthrown? So you play out that scene until that question is answered. And then at that point, the scene ends. And you can revisit it later by asking a different question, but as soon as that question is, is asked and answered, you move on and you you can jump around and it's called microscope because you kind of zoom in and zoom out on different areas of history and it's super cool um we got to play it again um Devin and i did um we had a storytelling game day for our gaming group and and we didn't actually bring microscope but one of the other guys did and he had been wanting to play and hadn't played yet so a group of four of us sat down and played and, you know, a totally different history, totally different beginning and end of the world. And it's really interesting how, how you kind of play off of each other's ideas and create this create this world. It's, it's one of the things that I really kind of like about it is that you can sit down and you can play for an hour or two, pack everything up in order, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later get together again and bring out this world and play again and just kind of keep this as a continuous game for as long as you want to. Yeah. 
And you know um, how when you're when you're reading a novel, um, even if you put it up for a week and you come back and you might have to go back one page, but you remember where you're at. You know, I mean, it all comes back to you so quick. I bet that works that way when you set out that game again, and you you know like there's this world and you remember the things you learned about it. Yeah, I think you're probably right there, and um, I really. I think just even if in the, the couple of sessions I played, it was just really interesting to me. Like, one of the things you can do in the game is you can, once you create kind of the idea of what your world is going to be, everybody gets to go around and say one thing that they either definitely want to be allowed in this world, that maybe you wouldn't think would be in this world, or something you definitely don't want to be in this world. And, and the game that I played at our Storytelling Game Day I said I wanted telepathy to be something that was available in, in this world. So as we played, one of the guys we were playing with introduced mind worms because he was playing off of that telepathy thing. So this whole thing came about with these mind worms or what is giving people telepathy. And and it was kind of just cool how how he, he took what I suggested and ran with it. That is really cool. I have Collaborative world building. Yeah, I've not I, played Microscope. I really think you would like it. Um, and one thing that I think I would like to try is to try it, like, over the Internet using Skype or whatever and, like, a whiteboard. Because I think, number one, you could just keep everything. You don't have to worry about keeping cards in order because they're just going to stay in order. And And then, you know, you could get together as often as time allows as opposed to whenever you can be in the same place with somebody and I think it's a game that would work really well over the internet I've not, I've not played the game yet I really want to try it uh, but something I've done with most of my role playing game campaigns I've run in probably the last two or three years maybe the last five years or so is I get together with each player and I let them build they're part of the world like this is where they're from and they know all about that part of the world and no one else really knows about that part of the world because they're not from that part uh, but this sounds to me to be an even more fun and effective way to make this happen because you get down to that level of detail that you don't really get with with uh, the I'm going to build my section of the world uh you know, you don't ever really delve into individual moments in history that defined or changed the course. And uh, that just sounds like the coolest to me. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and I know that one of the, the suggestions is, is that you can take these roles and then plop them into a, a, an RPG setting and, and play in this world that you created. Yeah, and that's that to me is would be my primary use for the game is time to sit down and start a new role playing game let's build the world that we're going to play in well um, and you build the world by role playing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think you could even end up mapping stuff out because like the game that we were playing we were kind of like, well, this is in this direction. We have soldiers coming in from the east, so you kind of start getting an idea of where different lands are. So you could even, you know, probably create a map from this after you've played it for a bit, because you'll start, you know, I think just naturally things are things are in a certain direction. 
when you start describing them. On the idea of having it as kind of like a, a pre, you know, let's create our world together before we launch our party off on their their D&D or RPG quest, um, what I see that that also really does is that allows everybody to go in with a certain amount of player knowledge of the world that you don't always get when you go into a blind, you know, this is the DM's world and, and we're just participating in it. Um, so both methods that Kira talked about, the one where you go individually and then this one where you would create it together, I think really add to that experience. We lost someone? <laughs> no. No, no we lost Kier. <laughs> oh, did we? Somebody, I, dropped, I was kind of waiting. Definitely <laughs> dropped a call. Yeah. There's, th there's two boxes here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm seeing. I was just like. I'm seeing only two people. Oh. Hello? Hey, you back? Okay. Hey. Hey. We I missed figured you. out how to connect back to the call. Cool. I was complimenting you. That's why you hung up. <laughs> I, I don't. You, yeah, I missed everything. <laughs> I was just really excited. You could, you could hear it later. You can hear it later on the Related to Geeks <laughs> podcast, episode 8, original air <laughs> date, November 12, 2015. <laughs> In the meantime, I will just be like. Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> do, do some creative editing. It'll be it'll be fine. <laughs> I was I was waiting for your response to making. Yeah, because it was really directed at you, and then it was just silence. <laughs> and I was like, I have, as soon as I start talking, Kira's gonna start talking. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> Any kind of collaborative world building effort allows the players to enter in with a certain amount of knowledge that they wouldn't have had the DM created the world all his own. I like it because I just think it gives the players a hand in the world. And that's kind of why I, I like the concept of microscope as well for world building for your RPGs. It gives everyone in the group a hand in creating the world. All right, so now you cut out all that crap in the middle. And you go from what I said <laughs> to that, and it'll work. <laughs> But you can't go from what I said to, thanks for the compliment. <laughs> I'm trying I, to make your job easier, Dad. I'm going to try to keep all of it. He's going to cut it apart and put it back together in a way like he's going to like take individual words and completely change everything we just said. Another thing I would like to add about Microscope is the PDF, I believe, from their website, which we will link, is $10 and well worth it. Um, and there is a print copy of the book you can get. I don't know that it's necessarily something you need to buy to have a hardcover or a hard copy of um, most of the game. Is, is pretty straightforward. It's it's nice to have the rule set so you know what you're doing, but you don't really even necessarily have to look back at it that often. So I have a question. Something. Yes. Would you say that there's any way that you could approach this, at least the concept of microscope, in a solo manner in order to develop a world for a story you're working on? I would say that, you know, shy of the scenes, unless you want to write them out as like you're writing a novel, 
I would say you could definitely use it to 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 still to find your periods and your events and your you know even even you know at least a rough concept of the scenes within that. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think it would play out the same if you just write characters like in a story versus role playing with with yeah. other people. Well, and I'm I'm think thinking more the pre-writing when you're just trying to kind of establish the world before you even get into the writing of your characters when you're just trying to kind of get the world history the setting of your story i think if you're the kind of writer whose characters take on their own you know what i'm saying how some writers the characters take over their own story i think if that's the kind of writer you are then it then it might well work as far as like actual rule set for solo players, I don't think that's part of the game. But I think anybody can make anything work mm-hmm. that they really want to. Um, and, and I don't see any reason why this wouldn't. Um, one of the things I like about the game is that its suggested amount of players is three to four. Um, they say that that's just the ideal amount to, to to make this game work. And that, of course... If you can find a good role-playing game for three people, that's pretty awesome because that's hard to. Yeah. It, it's hard to. I don't. I don't enjoy like D and D with three people, with with a, a dungeon master and two people yeah. going on a quest. It's just not not as fun of a game as if you have a party. And, and this one, yeah. this one worked real. We played it with three, and we played it with four, and I would say that it worked better with four mainly just because I think I was playing with more experienced role players my daughter played with with myself and my husband and this is a very different type of role playing than she's ever done Um, she's very much just played D&D top games so this was a little outside of her comfort zone but I think she would get it if she played a little more often And, and I would she's already said that she would like to try it again so I'm interested to see how it goes after she's, you know, already played once and kind of has a feel for what the game is. So, here's a concept, and Dad, you can choose to leave this in or edit it out, but here's a concept. In a future episode, if we find out that this works over Skype, we need to just do one of these for an episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good idea. We should do yeah, that. It's, it's on my to, it's on my to do list to to try to research how to do this over the computer. You should figure okay. it out in the next thirteen days. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so, Dad, you have a question for me? Um, yeah, Megan, I did have a question for you. Um, oh yeah, what have you been geeking out about? <laughs> So, I have been playing the ultimate game of Tetris, except instead of blocks, it's all of the events and obligations and to-dos I have for the rest of the year, and I'm trying to fit that into (laughs) 24 hours a day, and I found that once I get all of that stuff into 24 hours a day, I don't have a lot of, you know, opportunities for geeking out, Um, so that's sad. I have mainly just been working on some craft projects because we're having a fundraiser at my church in a couple of weeks. And so I've been painting a lot. I have been 
um, trying to scrap together some craft ideas, really trying to use stuff we already have lying around and be as uh, money conscious as possible because it is a fundraiser and going to get into some wood burning later in the week so I may end up with burnt fingertips but uh, just uh, trying to squeeze that in when I can but I was trying to rack my brain about what I've been doing I was like well I, I mean I played a game on my my Android at one point and I watched a YouTube video but nothing really has caused me to super geek out lately because I've just been so hectic it's getting to that time of year where I'm just hectic you should make some geeky crafts for the, the, the craft fair or whatever you're doing to sell them. And, uh, and, and I will come and I will buy all of your geeky crafts. <laughs> we actually, one of our uh, youth members did an attempt at a uh, Doctor Who plaque. It's kind of uh, rudimentary, but uh, it says something along the lines of bow ties are cool uh, and a little extra flourish to it. But... Uh, they are cool. So we I definitely totally hang that in my house. Well, we definitely have some stuff kind of like hidden in there that the that the youth are like, can I make this? I was like, I don't care. <laughs> make whatever you want. <laughs> when is it? I want to be there. <laughs> it's a week from Saturday. Week from Saturday. Awesome. Um. I think I'm doing. Something. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's that time of year. <laughs> but anyway, ultimate game of Tetris. That's the best description I can, I can, like, I open up my calendar, I'm just like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. There's so much to do. <laughs> Not enough time to do it. But, I will say, and I, I mentioned this briefly before, but I will say, the, the calendar for this weekend is a lot more exciting than the calendar has been for, for a lot of the days uh, past, so. We're gonna. Well, my recommendation to you is you just plug all these things into Habit RPG and team up with me and we'll take on a giant monster. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, dad. It's all down to you. What has caused you to geek out lately? Well, I've got a few things and a couple of them are short, so I'm going to try to run right through them. I'm producing my something glue show again. I'm back from vacation and, uh, um, so you can check that out at sbblues.com. And I want to give a shout out to mixcloud.com. And it's something we might look into for uh, promoting the podcast too. Um, because Mixcloud lets you upload entire radio shows. And then you have to enter your playlist, the song playlist. And they pay royalties. So it's all legal. And, um, and they have widgets. So you can put them on your websites you know so it's pretty cool mixcloud's good and so that's what i use i use wordpress for my something blue website and then i use mixcloud widgets so that when they go to my something blue website they can click play and listen to shows um also kier and wendy and rosemary and i went to the makers fair and that was pretty interesting it wasn't as extensive as i thought it would be from the you know description and everything but there were three tables of projects and one was like snap together electronics, and one was build your own robot, and one was 3D printer. And it was really cool seeing uh, Wendy build circuits with uh, magnetic snap together electronics. Yeah, uh, I had a blast there, and uh, Sarah tipped us off about this uh, a couple weeks back, I guess. Yeah, uh, the last podcast, been, yes. Yeah. 
last podcast, and we were all like, we're going to go do that. And then we went and we did that, and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, they were really nice. Do that. They were really nice guys, too, real friendly. And, and of course, uh, glad to have you play with anything that was there, you know, because uh, that's what it was there for. And it was all, a lot of it was for sale. It wasn't really makers like I think of makers. Is, it was more like buyers, so you could pretend you're a maker, you know. But, and the stuff was expensive, you know. But it was still really cool, you know. Yeah. Neat to see it and fun to play with. Uh, but uh, uh, to me, uh, makers is actually, you know, people who really make something. You know, in other words, to go buy a 3D printer and then make a little medallion or something by downloading something, that's uh, a real maker's like that guy at ASU who made his own 3D printer. You know, now that's a maker, you know. That's yeah, the way I look at yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but my, my main geek out lately, as Megan will tell you, Whenever she came over, she had to look at my printers. Um, I have been working on my home network. Uh, I had a printer failure, and uh, we've done some, you know, I got a new TV. We talked about that, and I've done some shifting around of our stuff. And uh, so I've been working on the home network. I was up in the attic today putting some cables uh, so that I don't have cables stretching across the ceiling. And... Uh, um, what I have is I have uh, Rosewill, you know, uh, Wi-Fi and Rosewill switches. So, uh, and it's gigabit Ethernet, and I have three different switches uh, servicing 14 connections. Two of them are eight-port switches, and one is a five-port switch. So, we have 11 wired PCs, two Blu-ray players with smart TV features, one smart TV, plus our Wi-Fi devices, an iPhone, Android, two tablets, three printers, underused laptops. Our other two printers are connected by USB cables. So that's for the two of us. <laughs> what can oh. I say? <laughs> The definition of geek obsession, right there. Yeah. <laughs> There's two of us here, and we have 11 wired PCs on our network. <laughs> oh. oh <wow. laughs> We're three, and Five we only printers. have one. <laughs> we were down and to that's... one printer, and I was really having a lot of anxiety. But I feel a lot better now, because we got five printers hooked up. <laughs> So, so, so what you're, Dad, I want to be clear here. What you're saying is your PCs go to 11. Yeah, all the way to 11. <laughs> and this isn't something where they, they actually go up to nine and, and you forgot. No, they actually, they, no, they're 11. <laughs> all right, that's all right. I counted, I counted twice. One of them is not, one of them is not yet on the network. It's still sitting here. But I did run the wire today, so I mean, I put the ends on it. And um, uh, two short stories about it. The wires I ran through the attic, I think I had to use nine ends before I got the two wires to work. The problem with building your own Cat5 cables is that when a wire doesn't work, 
you have to guess which end is bad. And then you cut that end off, and you guess. It's 50-50 chance. And you cut that end off, and you carefully put one back on. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that it's the other end. It might be the end yeah. you just put on that's still bad, <laughs> or it might have never been. So, so you're going back and forth. So I used nine. To do, and then I went, and I did the uh, two that went out to the uh, back porch uh, where we moved that smart TV. And so I have one out there for the smart TV and one out there for a computer that the smart TV will be the monitor for that computer. And um, so uh, at two cables, and I use four ends. I put all four ends on, and they all worked. So that was awesome. a freak out. Yeah. And then while I was pushing the excess network cable back up in the attic, I tortured myself by sticking a splinter under my thumbnail. Mm, I'm going to need that story. Yeah, that was really uh, painful, but I didn't climb down off the chair until I finished pushing the <laughs> network cable up. <laughs> and then I made Vivian go get me uh, tweezers so I could take it out. And she had to hold my hand, not because I was too scared, but because I shake so much that if she wasn't holding my hand, I would have never got that. I like how you were so committed that you're like, no, I'm going to battle through the pain and I'm going to get this wiring yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I was tired of it by then. I just wanted it done. Yeah. And I was up on a chair back in a corner. I didn't want to have to climb back up on that chair. So I have a story to add since, since you have talked about your 11 computers. I got a call a while back from my internet provider and he was talking to me about, you know, the speed I have. And he was asking me how many devices I have that connect to the Internet. And I was thinking through it. And I was just like, well, I have several game systems that use the Internet. And then I have the desktop and the laptop and the tablet. And, you know, my phone connects to the Internet at my house. And I started going through and I was just like, I don't, I don't know, maybe, you know, around 10. And he was just like, oh, well, well, we, we suggest that you uh, increase your Internet speed with that many devices. I was like, well, I don't connect to the Internet on all of them at once. <laughs> One or two at a time. <laughs> I want to see you use all of them at once. <laughs> Vivian, Vivian uses her tablet and her computer at the same time, all the time. <laughs> I, I will, I will admit this. This is something that's probably I shouldn't admit, but there have been times that I have been browsing Reddit on my computer, and then I will look down at my phone and open up Reddit on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much of Reddit to cover. So, so I have a Windows phone. I have a Windows phone, and I also have an old Android phone that is I just hooked up hooked up to Wi-Fi because it has apps on it that I can't get on my my Windows phone. And and sometimes I'll be playing a game on one or the other, and I'm like, oh, I want to look something up, so I'll just pick up the other phone and start looking stuff up because. You know, I don't want to back out of my game that I'm halfway through with, but I want to know the answer right now because <laughs> I can't wait the two minutes until I'm done with my game. So that's well, kind Sarah, of embarrassing you, as well. You do know the true purpose of the internet, don't you? The true purpose Cats? of the internet. The, the true purpose of the internet is so you can prove someone else is wrong. I'm I'm well aware of that. <laughs> your your answer was also accurate, Sarah. <laughs> Cats. 
<laughs> cats, yeah. That's um, a lot of people wrong. I don't have you believe they, uh, IBM has a artificial intelligence project that browses the internet. And so they have this computer that browses the internet. And it, it is interested in what it's interested in, and it looks for what it looks for, and it's run on algorithms. And it spent a lot of time looking at cats. Yeah. See, here's my theory. Cats invented the internet. Knowing human nature, we always want to prove each other wrong. So we go on the internet in ways to prove each other wrong, but then we get distracted by cute cat videos. And then we think, ah, cats are cute. We should feed them and pet them and love them forever. Well, cats are cute. Yeah. And also vicious. Yeah. <laughs> and noisy. All right, so now that we have spiraled beyond spiraled, we're going to take a break and come back with our topic of the week. You're listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast of a geeky family. Visit our website at relatedtogeeks.com where you'll find links to our YouTube channel and our Tumblr blog. everybody welcome back our topic of the week is gateway games we figured coming up on the christmas holiday or whatever you may celebrate where you give gifts and enjoy time with family that you might want to introduce them to some games so we're going to talk about some of our recommendations of games that you can play with some of your non-gamer friends and family so let's just open it up for conversation i always feel like party games are a good introduction for people who don't necessarily haven't played games since they were kids or since the 80s or whatever, which uh, party games were pretty popular in the 80s, but party games have come a long way since the 80s. And um, one of my favorite new party games is is one I'm going to recommend um, called Code Names, and it's been kind of a big hit this year and hard to find and unfortunately it goes in and out of stock really quick but if you can catch it it's really inexpensive it's it's a twenty dollar game retail i got my copy for about thirteen dollars um, from an online supplier and it's really it's really a cool kind of a, a a variation on password an updated password where every spy you're kind of in a network of spies spies and every spy has a secret code name and you give one word clues to try to get your team members to figure out who who the spies are based on their code names. And the the really cool part about it is is that you've got all of these just single words out there that are not necessarily connected in any way. But if you can find a way to connect them and only the ones that are yours with one word, you can get them to guess more than one clue at once and that's where the fun in the game comes from is trying to get them to guess your your names not the other team's names and certainly not the assassin which will end the game for you right there in the end um and and there's also um neutral bystanders that if you guess their code name then it just ends your turn but nobody's you know you're not you're not you haven't lost the game and it's really a cool fun game that plays really quick and plays it as many people as you want it to play and is easy to drop in and out in and out of yeah that to me is probably the coolest part about the game we played it at a game night recently and we kicked off the night with it and probably for the first half hour 
people would just show up and we'd be like, hey, jump in on this game. Hey, jump in on this game. Next thing we knew, we had like two teams of eight people on each team and they were sitting there discussing and, and going in. As soon as someone comes in, they just jump in. They, I mean, it takes 30 seconds to explain what you're doing to this new guy and they're, they're playing and it's fantastic. I feel like Word on the Street is another good type of a team game where you can just add players and people can join in as it goes along. In the 60s, uh, charades was really popular. And, of course, that's that way, too. You can just join in, you know, walk in and start guessing. In fact, even if you don't want them to, they will. Um, But then in the 80s, um, I found that uh, when I went to parties, mostly people wanted to play quarters. And that's another great game. You know, you just join right in and start popping the quarters <laughs> down and getting blasted. <laughs> and then, now that I'm old, my favorite party game is family game, Dungeons and Dragons. So, uh, what can I say? It's not really that type of game that people can just walk in on. So. Unless you're in the family. Then you then you got it. <laughs> One of my favorite go-to games you just can't find anymore but i feel like it's something that you could potentially uh make for yourself if you if you really really wanted to and uh that's hoopla and man i love hoopla and if you ever go to like a, a goodwill or a thrift shop and you find a copy of hoopla you should buy it it's a fantastic game i i really like it one, one of the things it was probably the first cooperative game that I played and now cooperative games are everywhere but but when Hoopla was introduced there really just weren't a a very large amount of cooperative games and it's so much fun and it it does, it has charades in it and it has Pictionary in it and it has, I mean, you know it has some, some other variations that are kind of fun, like there's one that all of your clues must be alliterative, so you know, you, you can have a word, but every clue you give, you can give as many clues as you want, but they all have to start with the same letter. And that's something that's that's different that I've not come across in another game. It's also dreaded and terrible. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, that timer, <laughs> that timer definitely becomes your enemy, especially as you start adding cards because you have to, when you pass, you add two cards. So you get rid of one card for two. And... It's always at the end because those are the cards you've been holding all game long going, I don't know how to play this. <laughs> so it's um, it's fun, though. It's super fun. You know, uh, Bridge is... Uh, people who play Bridge are completely obsessed, you know, but it's very difficult to learn to play. So the gateway games for Bridge is Hearts and Spades. Everybody loves to play Hearts and Spades. And uh, you learn the skills that teach you how you can play bridge. Time to admit something. I don't know that if I've ever played hearts or spades. Oh, come on. Everybody's <laughs> played hearts and spades. I'm pretty sure I haven't. <laughs> I played a whole lot of spades growing up because uh, when Grandma would come visit or we would go visit Grandma, um, we would often play um, Grandma, Mom, Gretchen, and myself would play Spades. And um, I've never played Bridge, but I've played a lot of Spades. And I didn't play Hearts until I was an adult. And I, I prefer Spades, and I don't know if it's just because I 
played it so much more. Um, I've only played Hearts a handful of times. But, but yeah, I, I haven't played Spades in forever. I don't think I've ever actually sat down and played Hearts or Spades other than, like, you know, a virtual version on a computer. Um, but I have played Bridge, so I just skipped right ahead. <laughs> there you go. You didn't need the gateway Precocious. games. <laughs> Precocious. Yeah. That's Megan. Plus, me and Grandma just played poker. That's what we did. <laughs> yeah, well, we played a lot of poker with Grandma, too. Grandma's, grandma's game of choice, I believe, was poker. Um, and we also played, um, again, Gretchen and myself and Grandma and Mom played a lot of cribbage. And and the gateway game to chess is chess. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean that's and that's the other that's true that's the other super obsessive game that people really get like bridge you know I mean bridge becomes a life for people and the same with chess I mean people that are really good at chess I mean they do nothing but chess all the time when they're working they're thinking about chess. When they're off work, they're playing chess or reading about chess. I mean, it's it's absurd. Yeah, I actually uh, I work night next to a guy who is in a chess club in town, and he at work during his breaks and lunch just sits down and plays chess online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it becomes super obsessive. The thing about bridge and chess is both of those games. I mean, you can study them for years and still be kind of an amateur compared to the people that are really good at it. Mm-hmm. That's why I just decided not to be really good at it. It's a it's a wise choice. Chess will make you insane. <laughs> so another go to another go to game for me for the holidays for people who are new to games. This is definitely in line with party games you can buy it at the store if you want or you can just make your own copy and it's called telestrations it's got several other names <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh it's essentially uh dictionary meets telephone and it is wonderful and the whole goal of the game really shouldn't be to win. I think Telestrations actually has like some rules on how you can win and things like just ignore that. Just yes. just play it, <laughs> just play it and have a fantastic time. So the whole idea is everyone gets a sheet of paper and they write something on that piece of paper and it's it could be whatever they want. It could be uh karate space cats, could be cheese eating barbarians whatever they want to write on that, that first sheet of paper, and they pass it on to the next player. And the next player reads what's on the sheet of paper, flips over to the next sheet on the pad, and draws it out to the best of their ability. And they pass it to the next player who looks at the picture and flips it over and writes in English what they see, and you keep passing it around. And ideally it's with like eight or ten players until you get your sheet your book back to you and whenever you get your book back everyone closes it up doesn't look at anything and you just go around the room revealing your 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 pages one at a time uh and and just seeing how far off track or how crazy things got and it is you will be howling with laughter yeah it, it elicits more laughter than just about any other game i've ever played 
I played that with you once at a Christmas party, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Dad's actually was, because in the rules, it says you can write anything you want as long as it's written in English. So Dad actually wrote down written in English, and I was the one that played <laughs> after him, and I had to figure out a way to draw that. <laughs> <laughs> favorite one is one that actually Devin did um, just at a, a regular game night that we did at, at Kier's house one night. And his was, it's like dogs playing poker, but with whales. <laughs> and it still cracks <laughs> me up because, I mean, it certainly didn't end anything like that. <laughs> but <laughs> it still cracks me up whenever I think about it because it's just, it's out there. I had, uh, I had one friend who thought he was going to be clever and he just wrote boobs on the first page but of course like people have been drawing boobs since they were 10 years old so it just went around i was like boobs picture of boobs boobs picture of boobs boobs picture of boobs all the way down to the end <laughs> oh goodness yeah. Unfortunately, we played with, at the time we played, we played with my, my uh, I think she was 12 at the time. And it it can be a little iffy with kids, depending on the people you play with as adults. <laughs> so we, we ran into some of that. <laughs> so be be cautious. <laughs> um, if, if, if everybody agrees to keep it family friendly, it's definitely something that can be enjoyed by younger kids, though. Yeah, we've definitely had seven-year-olds play that game, and the only thing they usually need help with is occasionally reading something, When sometimes I need help because handwriting is handwriting. Yeah, and that's a game that people just tend to scrawl. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I remember there was one time where someone was just, I guess someone had, had left or uh, had a phone call or something, but something delayed the round, and so... Instead of just, you know, putting the pad away, one of the players, who was the guy before me, um, instead just kept writing. And so we just kept adding. Just kept going and going and going and going and going. And so I just had, like, this book that I had to translate into a picture by the time it came to me. <laughs> it was not good. Well, I'm sorry, I'm that, laughing. Apparently he heard that a picture was worth a thousand words. <laughs> <laughs> and he decided to put you to the test. <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, so, a non. Oh, go ahead. On the uh, on the video game side, because we just kind of said games and we didn't specify at all. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest something that actually does pull from board games a lot, but they're they're a collection of party games that uh, are really meant to be played. In, in a group, but you can, you know, they work in different ways. You can play them on the TV screen or you can play them on your phone, but it's the Jackbox Party Pack. And this is from the people who make the You Don't Know Jack games, um, which are not necessarily kid-friendly, but really fun, trivial pursuit kind of game show type things where you get really bizarre trivia questions then everybody has to like buzz in and it usually criticizes you very openly about your choices um but definitely made fun by its narration but there's a lot of fun games in that collection i'm not familiar with all of them 
But one of the ones that I wanted to talk about was Drawful. Because I feel like it takes an interesting spin on Pictionary. And from what I remember, it's been a while since I've watched a video on it. But from what I remember, how it works is everybody has their own phone. And one of them is the active um, drawer. And they get the clue and they draw whatever the clue is. And then everybody else sees their picture and then draws from that picture. No, that's not right. I'm gonna have to look this up, guys. I have no idea how this is played, but it's so cool. So is it done digitally drawing? Yeah, or it's it drawing on your paper? phone. Okay. But I, okay. I'm okay. trying Just to like, remember like how it's played, but the problem is anytime I search it, I get the entire package and I don't get the individual descriptions of the games. Gotcha. The, the you don't know Jack game. Um, Devin and I played the heck out of that. Yeah. Um, back when we lived outside of Chicago, and um, you know, of course, that that kind of game is right up our alley. We had a lot of fun with that. So one of my favorite trivia games, as far as uh, intro level, you know, family games, things like that, is Wits and Wagers. And I really like that one because it's a trivia game where you're not really expected to know the answer. There's another game that just came out, and, and it may have come out. There's a, there's a big game fair in Germany in the fall called Essen. Well, it's actually called Essen Spiel. It's in Essen, Germany, and everybody just calls it Essen. And um, oh, I, I may have to, to look up the name and, and get Dad to put it in the links, but... It's kind of the same sort of thing where you don't have to know the answers, but it's a whole bunch of trivia questions with numbers as the answer. And you have to guess which is the highest number and which is the lowest number. And you get points for the ones that you guess correctly. But if you juxtapose those two things, so say you guess the lowest for the highest, <coughs> you lose a point. Huh. And it looks really interesting, and I wish I could remember the name of it. It's just oh, it's oh, it's got giraffe in the title. Um, man, I wish Liz was in here because she would be able to tell me. But I will definitely, um, definitely get Dad to link it because it looked really interesting. One I would like to try. One that I would like to try that I have not tried is called Geek Out, and I feel like this one's worth mentioning considering the name of our podcast. <laughs> But the whole idea behind this game is essentially it gives you a subject, like a kind of a narrow subject, and then the teams take turns wagering how many things they can think of in that subject, like superheroes who wear yellow. And some will go, I can name five. Next one will go, I, I can name seven. And then... They once one team says, "All right, go ahead, do it," and then they have to come up with that many. And sometimes you can't. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple of playthroughs of just like a couple of hands of that. It looks kind of fun. Okay, so this is how Drawful works. Um, it is played on your your phones. You you just you you each you know have your own phone and you connect through that. Um, there's probably a way to play it pen and paper. It seems slightly more complicated. But each player individually is given a title. And then that player has to draw a picture that matches that title. 
and then everybody sees the picture that was drawn and then they have to give it an appropriate title that's where i got confused before and so they give it a title that they think matches that picture and then all of the suggested titles that the other players made up and the real title are put together and then every player gets to pick what they think is the actual title the one that inspired the drawing so that's how that one works and it's kind of a a different spin on a Pictionary and everything that I've seen where it's been played it's just looked like that Telestrations level of fun just ridiculous level of fun and I, it goes much quicker than Telestrations because that's the one thing about Telestrations as far as a party game it's actually one of the more long ones depending on how many players you have going um, it can be a time sink uh, in fact, I would say with telestrations, you can get to a certain number of players, like maybe maybe 10. And if you have more than that, then you're probably just better off splitting up into two groups. Mm -hmm. So that the game you were talking about, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, like um, Pictionary meets Balderdash, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I loved Balderdash. When I, we used to play it when I was in college, um, yeah. and that was so much fun. <laughs> I feel yes. like we're just we're just naming what? games that were released within the last five or six years, and then games that were released like thirty or forty years ago. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, there's always a thing. Ooh, I got nothing. Whoa, what? Nothing. Huh? Got nothing. There's the the cult of the new and the <laughs> cult of the new and oh. the original. I think is what she said. No, Cult of the New and Nostalgia Goggles. Goggles, okay. Uh, you, you, you turned what into... What I heard was... <laughs> what I heard was, there's the Cult of the New and the... Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Robot Sarah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Robot I Sarah! Didn't, I didn't hear any of that. I heard Nostalgia Goggles. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's the worst when the robots think they're human. Oh. <laughs> Gotta watch out for me. Uh, well, speaking of old games and, and nostalgia goggles, um, you know what else is a really good party game? Scategories. Oh, yeah. So, if somebody hasn't heard what Scategories is, they're not familiar with the game, it's you get a category. And then you have to come up with your best answer, you know, your most unique answer for that category that starts with the letter for that round. And then you go on to the next category. You have a whole list of categories. But the trick is, is that all the other players are trying to think of their, you know, most unique answers for each of these. And as you go through and score at the end, you cross out anything that matches any other player. And so... I think the most interesting thing about categories is that you actually end up all trying to think of the most unique answer, and then you all pick the most unique answer, and then the person who is just like an animal that starts with D, dog, gets the point. Um, mm -hmm. It's just also one of those games that I feel like there's no learning curve to. People can just jump in and enjoy right from the get-go, and I've played it with, again, you know, seven-year-olds to, you know, senior citizens, and they've all sat around and enjoyed 
just a really fun party game. Also fun in teams. So, as long as you're quiet and whisper well. Now I want to play Scattergore. It's a good game. In Soviet Russia, the <laughs> games play you. <laughs> I love the defeated sigh. <laughs> <laughs> So, so one of my favorite board games that's come out in the last few years, but it's not a party game, so I feel like we, we might need to talk about it because we've pretty much, with the board games, mainly talked about party games and card games, um, is a game called King of Tokyo, and it's a dice game. Um, and, and one of the reasons I think it's a good game for people who aren't necessarily playing a lot of more modern board games is that it's got... Um, mechanisms that are pretty familiar to people because it, it does the kind of Yahtzee thing where you can roll your dice and if you don't like what you get you can pick some of them up or all of them up and re-roll and then choose some of those including ones you had rolled before that you had kept before and roll them you know the, the re-roll your dice you know two more times after your initial roll mechanism but it's fun because people are playing these big monsters that are beating up on each other in, in Tokyo. And it, it's basically a take that game that's done Yahtzee style. And, yeah. and I, one that's really easy. I mean, it's another one of those games you can explain in like two minutes. The, the other thing that's nice about that game is while it does have some more complex mechanics whenever you introduce the, the, the cards that you can purchase. There's all public information. There's no hidden information. So if there's any questions about any time, you can just say, hey, what does this mean? And everyone at the table goes, oh, well, this is what it means. Yeah, it was, it was really nice because we used to play this a lot with, with um, my nephew who just just turned eight a couple of months ago and he's been playing it for a couple of years and even before he was really able to read he was able to play because we could just tell him what the card said it wasn't like it was anything that had to be kept secret from people and that makes it a really good game for young players as well and of course they're into the theme of you know oh, yeah. giant monsters <laughs> attacking people Tokyo. out yes <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's one I enjoy a lot Another dice game like that that's a great gateway game is called Dice or Farkle. Farkle. Yeah. That's another game we played a lot of. Yeah, we played a whole lot of that game. Well, and, you know, talking about gateway games, I think the hardest part about getting into games is the fact that they cost a lot of money. Um, And so... Go get a set of six siders and a deck of cards, and you have so many games there. I mean, a ridiculous amount of games. Um, and some of them aren't great, and some of them are really, really good uh, games that you probably never even heard of before. I tell you, there's been times where people brought out a deck of cards, and we played for five hours straight, and I had more fun with a single deck of cards than I had playing any, you know. $60, you know, multi-token, you know, seven decks of, you know, custom cards and, you know, all these counters and stuff. I mean, just mind-boggling, you know. You know. You know. You know. You know. 
I was making sure you knew. No, I, played. I was making sure you knew. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as it turns out, you know, I knew. <laughs> now, I will say that a lot of those $60 multiple token cards and whatever else you mentioned are, are games that I really enjoy. Um, but but definitely not something I would start out introducing new players to. Um, but, but they're not all amazing. Just like anything else, there's some that are that are that are pretty mediocre to poor. I pretty much everything. What's that? Ninety percent of everything. Ninety percent of everything. Yes, I've heard something yeah. about that somewhere. Um. Since we hadn't discussed computer games yet, and since I'm not really an expert on computer games, I wanted to mention that there are now 1,600 games for Linux on Steam. <laughs> so one of those has got to be a gateway game. Yeah. You know, out of 1,600. The games that I mentioned before oh, yeah. are also available on Steam. The Jackbox Party Pack, um, that's, uh -huh. all, that's all available through Steam. Um, Another one that I just recommend as far as a game that I feel like anybody could get into is uh, Missionarium, which is a very simple point-and-click that has a really beautiful art style um, where you play just a little robot and you just, you know, trying to get through the world and simple but still challenging enough um, point-and-click game that can appeal to a wide audience. I actually played all the way through that game, and I played it on Linux. What? What? No, this is going to come as a shock to everybody, but I've never even heard of it, so. As it turns out, you play a cute little robot in a point-and-click adventure game, and it's really good. Sounds like something my daughter would really, really like. And the gateway game that everybody has played since they were a baby. Hide and seek. <laughs> well, I mean, on that note, isn't playing House as a Kid just a gateway game to Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> houses and humans! <laughs> or Households and humans, whatever it was called. Oh my goodness. Uh. Yeah. So, really, real quick, before, before we, we need to wrap this section up, if you guys were to pick one game as the gateway role-playing game, what would you think it would be? Second edition. <laughs> Second? That seems like the, 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 the worst answer. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think I would pick D&D &D, um, just because I think there's familiarity in the name, so if you're going to get somebody to play a role-playing game, that might be the one that sparks their interest. Yeah. Um, I don't know that second, I, even though I really like second ed, I don't know that's the one that I would suggest. Um, probably, probably just a basic one. Uh, or, I mean, uh, fifth ed is stripped down a whole lot, but there's still a, a lot of moving parts for a lot of characters. So I, I might even go for like a basic D&D. Yeah, or a basic fantasy RPG. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good one. Um, or basically Fiasco. <laughs> Fiasco I mean, would probably be another good one. It's uh, it's not at all fantasy RPG, but it's it's a one shot 
and there's no DM, and it's easy to get into. I would say it's probably more in line with playing house than <laughs> any other role-playing games yeah. out there. Right. Like, you play house, there and is, say, hey, now we're going to play soap opera. <laughs> there is a gateway game to D&D that we have all played as kids, and it's called Make Believe. Yep. Yeah, and and I think, and I guess this is the reason why I said fiasco, is that I believe that it probably, to the non-gamer, has more familiar concepts than, say, Dungeons & Dragons does. Because it's based on a certain type of movie that a lot of people have seen. It's based on those kind of those caper movies. And, and, and people, people in general know those movies better than the kind of geeky Dungeons and Dragons fantasy type movies. Yeah. And it really, it's potentially one of the, the settingless systems out there. Uh, because really, the only requirement for the game is that you have a bunch of different characters in the stories who are, uh, at least at points in the story, adversarial to each other. And and not necessarily like getting into a fight with swords and guns adversarial, but, you know, they have conflicting goals. And as long as you got that, you've got a good game of fiasco. And there's a ton of really good free play sets out there to download for the game yeah. that give everything yeah. you need to play. Well, that and the world book. And another world book that you can get as a PDF for fairly inexpensive online. I also think just going by, you know, what's popular now, I feel like if if you get one with a really clean, basic role set, you can't beat a, a zombie RPG right now as far as something that's instantly going to draw people in and people are going to understand the mechanics of it just based yeah. on and that, I agree with yeah that that's something i have no no knowledge in so i couldn't recommend any uh i want to say there is a playset for fiasco which is kind of an additive playset where you can add zombies to any other playset inside of fiasco there he is yeah, and that's 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 a cool thing. So it's like you know, here's this crime caper, but we've added zombies, or here's this daytime soap opera, but we've added zombies, and <laughs> here's a jewelry heist, but there's zombies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> I I have read through it. It's been a while, but but yeah, that does exist. And uh, for uh, people who want to. Um, have a gateway into role-playing and don't really want to invest a hundred dollars right off into books and this and that, you know, um, uh, Kier sent me some links to, uh, some open gaming license games. And there's also a bunch of creative commons license games and you can just download everything you need and it's all free and they play those games. And a lot of them have really good rule sets and stuff. So, yeah, and Basic Fantasy say, RPG is one of the ones that, that is free. With the Open Gaming License or the Creative Commons License, you can even, you know, take that rule set and then make your own game with it and then distribute your own game, you know. So if you want to get into uh, past the gateway of playing games into making games, it's a good starting point. 
I have another thing I want to say about gateway games. Um, I kind of feel like with board games that we we're kind of going amiss by not mentioning. There's there's a few classic, you know, gateway games that if you don't own them, there's a good chance that somebody you know does. And if you're at all interested in playing the more modern board games, um, find out if any of your friends have them and go play them, because um, these are the the games that have been around for. 10 or 20 years and and keep bringing in new players because they're they're fun and and the games that i'm specifically talking about are ticket to ride carcassonne and kind of i think the the granddaddy of them all settlers of Catan, or now just Catan, and they're all super fun and pretty pretty easy to pick up and fun to play and a good and a good introduction to the European kind of style of games that that have become so popular over the past twenty years. Yep, I've played all three, and I own two of them, and uh, they are they they repeatedly make it to my table. They're good for new players and old players alike. Yes. Well, I will say that I I mean I've seen firsthand because I've had friends who really claim to not like board games and I was trying to talk to him about it. I was like how can you not like board games I mean there's so many good ones out there and they're just like I just never really liked them well the truth of the matter is they didn't like a lot of the board games that a lot of people don't like they weren't crazy about Monopoly they weren't crazy about you know I don't know sorry or you know the games that they played a lot growing up that they just out overplayed or you know got sick of or didn't like the mechanics of and they're like, oh, but there is this one game that I played the other day that uh, I liked, and that was it was Catan, and I was just like, seriously, there's there's that, and there's so much more. You just gotta you just gotta give it more chance, and you know, from from that, and since then, I've I've seen this guy play a lot of games and and enjoy a lot of different games. So I've I've seen that in action. So even if you think you don't really like board games and don't really want to get into board games, you might try some of these. You know, if you have a friend who has it, you might sit down and just try a game or two and see if if maybe you're just playing the wrong games. Because I guarantee you there's a board game or two out there that you'll probably enjoy. And if you don't have a friend that has them, go to your local game store because a lot of those stores will have, like, open collections of games that, that are free to play, to try out, to see if you like them. And these are games that are probably going to be in every one of these collections. And typically, a person yeah. or two there who knows how to play it and can kind of explain the rules. Absolutely. That it? <laughs> yeah, yeah it. That, seems, that seems like a good place <sighs> to... <laughs> All right. So on that note, go, you know, talk to your friends. Go to a game store. Pick up a game and, and, and try it out because there's a lot of good games out there, so... There's always something that you can find to be your gateway game and to introduce other people to the hobby. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with our picks of the week. Download the podcast MP3s at our website, relatedtogeeks.com. You can also listen on our YouTube channel and our Tumblr. Find links to everything we talk about in our show notes. Alright everybody, welcome back. We're going to get right into our picks of the week and we're going to start with Sarah. I'm putting you on the spot. Okay, well my pick of the week is, um, it's an RPG. 
And the reason it's my pick of the week now is because it's on Kickstarter for their fourth printing. And it's it's um, called Dungeon Crawl Classics. And it's it's one that everybody that I'm talking to right now has played. So um, I... I like it. It's a little. It's a little different from most. Um, there's some some differences in the way the game plays. Um, first of all, you start off as just people, level zero, um, going on your first adventure, and and in this adventure, you you find out which of your characters. You usually start off with three or four characters, and, and they're not all going to survive. You're. It's, it's called a funnel because you start with many and you go down to few, and and from that. Um, with with your survivors you'll you'll figure out your class um from from that and um one of the things that that i really like about the game is that that uh, there's that whole concept that magic is very rare but also magic is learned differently by different people so the way one magic user learns a spell is very different from the way another magic user or might learn the spell. And I think that's very unique in this game. Um, I, I haven't come across it in another game. but um, and, and that's one of the things that attracted me to it at first was, was just the way the magic plays out in the game. And the Kickstarter runs through, I think it's the 25th of November. And for $40 right now, with all of their stretch goals, you get the core rule book. And... Uh, it's gonna hit. It's not quite at a hundred thousand, but once you hit, once they hit a hundred thousand dollars, then there's going to be six free modules that will also come. So six free adventures that you'll get, um, and then beyond that, as they hit, there'll be other things that are kind of more fun, like bookmarks and pencils that have the DCC logo on them and stuff like that. So I definitely would encourage people to check it out, see if it looks like there's a free sample of some of the rules that you can check out um, from their Kickstarter page and see if it's something that looks like it might appeal to you. So the thing that I like most about DCC is as someone who has been playing Dungeons & Dragons for over 20 years now, I know... 95% of the monsters. I know what they are, what they do, what their weaknesses are, what their their strengths are, uh, and, I mean, it varies a little bit from edition to edition, but for the most part, it stays pretty dead on. And the first time I played DCC, it was like, alright, now you're fighting this weird poisonous frog man or this weird rat-like creature, and it was just that sense of the unknown and the new again, and it was like I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old encountering these monsters for the first time again, and I just immediately fell in love with that aspect of the game. Another thing that people say about it, especially some of the, the old-school RPG players, is that they get that sense of wonder that they got the first time that they had all those fun new dice like the D20 and the D4 that they had, you know, everybody at that point knew D6s and that was about it. And, um, and you know, there was that sense of all oh, these, these dice are new and cool. Well, DCC uses new dice again. They have a D24, there's a D16, um, there's a D7, a D5, a D3, you know, ones that aren't used in the normal polyhedral Um set of dice that you would use for Dungeons and Dragons. So that's, that's again, I think it's that whole 
there's that whole thing with DCC of taking you back to that time when you first started playing D&D and all of these experiences were new to you. So it's not just the monsters, it's it's the monsters, it's the dice, it's it's and, and the artwork. A lot of the original artists and a lot of the I mean a lot of the artists for DCC are artists that worked with with TSR back in back in the day. Um, so I think that's pretty cool too. I have some comments about DCC, but I don't really want to get into it too much on here because I feel like we've all had enough experience with it that we could possibly expand it into more of a discussion than what we have time for tonight. But uh, uh, I have played it, and I, I do enjoy it. I don't really like the initial setup of the game. Um, it starts a little weird for me, and uh, that's my main gripe for it. I don't like, I don't like the, the way you basically develop your characters at the very beginning. At the, I don't mind starting a character at, at zero, but there's... There's other things that are in the design of having multiple characters yeah. at the beginning and stuff that cause me issues. Yeah. Just and just I having to like keep track of that many? Yeah. Well, I just feel like it. they become almost cannon fodder at a point because you don't have any real connection to them. Well, and that, I think that's part of the point of it, though, is that they become cannon fodder. You know, the ones that you don't really want to see survive are the ones that you push out into danger. Yeah. Well... Like I said, oh. I think this. I think it. I think this is uh, rich enough that it, it it bears its own, you know, discussion. Yeah. yeah, I just like I. I wanted to mention it while the Kickstarter was Absolutely. on because it is an awesome deal. Um, I mean, the core rulebook um, for forty dollars. Now there is shipping above that. It's it's twelve dollars extra for shipping. It is a big book. It's five hundred, six hundred pages. Um, but and that's another thing to mention about DCC is that is the only book you need. There's no splat books. There's no um, yeah. There's nothing else. There's there's not a separate monster manual. There's not a separate, you know, dungeon master's guide. It is all included in one book, and they are really supportive of third party publishers. So if you want extra material, it's out there. You can get it. Um, there's some some like easings and stuff that have done extra character classes, and you know, there's tons of adventures, just tons. Um, that you can get for the game that are all third party and and I mean they are super supportive. They started out Goodman Games, who is the publisher of DCC, started out as a module publishing company for D and D three point five, and that's that's their basic that's their that's their business. So uh, it, yeah. it's really cool to see them support others in that same kind of endeavor. Yeah. Here, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week, it's a short video that's been around for a while now. It's called The Reward. You can find it on Vimeo. And it is just a nice little 10-minute long... Uh, it's kind of like... Uh, 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 heavy... Is it, what is that called? Heavy Metal? Something Metal? The, the, the animated movie? Uh, Full Metal Alchemist. No, the, the like okay. the the old one that was all swords and lasers and boobs. <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> I know, right? I think it was called. I think it was called heavy Star metal. Star Wars. There was. There was. <laughs> I but think there's rate, one that's just full the... metal. There's no alchemist to it, but I think there's one that's just full metal. I have no anyway, idea. Whatever. 
At any rate, it's not important. What's important is that essentially it's the, the, the journey of these two kids who get a hold of a map and they go on an adventure together and they become powerful heroes and uh, uh, get their reward. And it's it's fantastic. And I would recommend is it, it to anyone. Is it animated or is it... Uh, it is animated active. and... Uh, it is animated. Uh, it's kind of got a, a unique animation style to it that is, uh, uh, I would, you know, I'd be comfortable watching it with a teenager or even a elementary age kid, but there is brief moments of nudity. There is uh, a lot of violence in it. So be aware of that going into it. Watch it first before you watch it with your family. You've been warned. You've been warned. <laughs> but it is fantastic. All right. Dad, what's your pick? Okay. Um, uh, before I give my pick, I want to give a AV Linux retrospective. I mentioned AV Linux before. And um, I'm not recommending it. It has a tremendous n amount of... Uh, audio and video other multimedia gimps in it i mean everything you want you don't have to install anything but it is on an older version and it's hard to get a modern browser to run on it and so um there are a lot of other uh dream studio and things like that that run on modern versions so i was impressed with av linux what all came with it and everything but uh it's just uh it's at the end of its life and it's not contemporary so I'm I am not recommending AV Linux, although I think that what the guy did was great, you know. Um, anyway, my pick of the week is uh, a novel that Conley gave me to read, and it's called Half Bad by Sally Green. It's a young adult novel, and it's a fantasy about witches in the modern world. Um, it's available on Overdrive at Jonesboro Public Library, so you can probably get it at libraries anywhere or, or as an ebook on Overdrive. Um, and it's uh, it's not real long; it's not a difficult read, but it's uh, definitely edgy for you know what it is. Um, uh, there are black witches and white witches, and of course the white witches uh, think they're the good witches, but uh, it doesn't really break without spoiling things it doesn't really break that way it's a very uh, interesting uh, change up on a witch story that's half bad by Sally Green yeah Kylie's got pretty good recommendations it's, on books they've uh, um, got some uh, she's got some more coming I think she's got the next one out half wild and it's supposed to be part of a trilogy so See, I love I love young adult novels because you can read through them so much quicker, but you get a good story out of them. I mean, yeah, they gotta have a good story, or the kids aren't gonna read mm -hmm. them. You know. So visit the young adult section of your library. There's some good stuff in there. There really is. I used to work with young adults, and I used to read a lot of the books that that they were reading. I used to do a young adult book discussion group, and it is amazing. Kids love it, to read. Kids, kids have time to read. Um, you know, kids are sophisticated. Well, <laughs> you know, they think about they think about that stuff. I mean, certainly as sophisticated as we are as adults. So, 
Yeah, well, I'm I'm just saying that. Um, now I'm not saying that they're sophisticated in an intellectual manner, like as you might get in a book discussion group with many, you know, lifelong readers and all that. Um, but they, uh, uh, the the kids that read a lot, you know, they're out there. All right, Megan. What's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is the Co-Optional Podcast. It is a podcast um, uh, about video games where the tagline is, we do occasionally talk about video games. Um, it's very clearly uh, <laughs> three three YouTubers who, who met each other through YouTube and have formed a bond and become close friends over the years. And, you know, it's just, it's it's fun to listen to. It's fun to watch. Um, they, uh, bring a lot of guests on, and so they get other YouTubers and other, uh, video game reviewers and, and, uh, video game journalists and even occasionally, a, a you know, a developer or two, you know, in there to discuss video games from different angles, but sometimes they just discuss, you know, what they've been eating lately or, you know, there was a episode I was listening to earlier where, like, the first 20 minutes of it were about two of them that went and did this ramen workshop where they got to make you know ramen from scratch made the noodles and everything and they talked about it for like 15 minutes and were just so enthusiastic about going to this workshop so maybe not for everybody but enjoyable personalities and they do occasionally talk about video games so that's good too so they're a podcast to have a core concept but occasionally they meander off topic yeah I, I think it's an original idea I don't think any other podcast has thought of it yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clever, really. So let's talk about YouTube. <laughs> 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 On that note, we are going to wrap this episode up. We thank you so much for listening. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. I know I've only got two games written down so far to suggest. I know there's more. There's so many more. So many more. So many games. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't want to play a video. Mm -hmm. Stop it, YouTube.